Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to see you in church today. This morning, I want to share a sermon with you that I have entitled, Bad News, Good News. You say, where did you come up with that title? Well, I'm about to display my magnificent level of creativity here. I'm going to wow you. I'm about to wow you. You ready? I got some bad news to share with you. And I'm going to share it first. And then I've got some good news I'm going to share with you. And I'm going to share it last. Hence the title, Bad News, Good News. And I want you thinking, man, how did we land such a genius as our pastor? I mean, this guy is sharp. Now, before I give you the bad news or the good news, I need to share a Bible story with you. It's found in the Old Testament book of Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 1 through 30. And we're actually going to read a lot of this story together, but before we do, let me set the stage and tell you what is happening. Uh, at the time of our story, the nation of Israel has been split into two kingdoms. Uh, the northern kingdom retained the title Israel. The southern kingdom, they called themselves Judah. We're going to be talking about the Judeans today, and in particular, their king, a guy named Jehoshaphat. I don't know why his name always makes me laugh, Jehoshaphat, you know. He was a good guy. He was driven by a passion to see his countrymen live for God the way they were supposed to live for God. Uh, we're told that as he would go about traveling through the country, that everybody he met, he would encourage them, return to God. I want you to return to God. I want you to think about returning to God. As a leader, he initiated... Uh, a major project. He overhauled the entire infrastructure of Judah. He chose new leaders. He trained them. He put them in place. And this massive undertaking was designed to facilitate this return to God. Now, about the time he completed this project, we're going to pick up on the story. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. I want you to read with me. Are you ready? After this... He's done. The armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Melanites declared war on Jehoshaphat. So you're seeing what's happened here. Two complete countries decided to pool their resources and go to war against Jehoshaphat and Judah. Now, before they did that, they visited with some, some men really from, their, from a place called Mount Seir. They asked, would you be willing to join us? Some were willing but they pulled their armies together and they declared war against these people. You ask, why? Had Jehoshaphat and the Judeans ticked them off? Had they done something to deserve this? Was this an act of retaliation in some way? No, absolutely not. Pat, the best I can tell, it was all about greed. That these nations wanted to expand their kingdom and they wanted the lands that the Judeans were living on. And so here's old Jehoshaphat, absolutely blissfully ignorant, 
the trouble is coming. Look at verse 2. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Hazanon, Tamar. How's that? This was another name for En If that's the case, why not just call it En I mean, that's so much easier. So one day, Jehoshaphat's just going through his regular royal routine. He's doing what? Whatever a king did on an average day, and some messengers showed up. Perhaps they were military scouts. I'm going to assume that. And they said, King, hate to mess up the royal coffee hour, but we come bearing bad news. The Ammonites, the Moabites, and some of the guys from Mount Seir, they have put together an army, a very vast, powerful, impressive army, by the way. And for some reason, they've declared war on you and your people. And they're going to attack you. And said, oh yeah, I guess just to add insult to injury, you need to know this. They apparently left and headed in this direction some time back. They've already come around the southern tip of the Dead Sea. They're... They've come a pretty good piece up the west bank of the Dead Sea. And, man, they're basically in your backyard. They're only 20 miles away. You know what? They had bad news. Trouble was coming. So how does Jehoshaphat respond to this? Look at verse 3 and 4. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So how does he respond to this? The Bible said he was scared. And maybe that's putting it mildly. I like the word the Bible used better. He was terrified. You ask Ronnie why you think that was. Well, I don't know, maybe multiple reasons. One, if they're just 20 miles away, he really doesn't have a lot of time to prepare himself for this. Number two... If they're that close, he probably doesn't have time to run, Randy. He probably doesn't have time to run away. He knew this. We're no match for them. Our armies are no match for them. They will annihilate us. He knew it. He was terrified. Fortunately, he was a very wise man. In, In the face of trouble, you know what he decided to do? Talk to God. He started praying. And the Bible said he begged God for two things. God, I could use a little guidance here. I believe he was looking at the situation like a chessboard. And he's looking at it going, I don't have a move. I don't have a move. God, if there's a move for me to make, you're going to have to show me what that move is. I need your guidance. We'd ask him for something else. I need your help. I'm going to need you to step in here and get involved and do some of the big stuff that you and you alone can do. He was wise in that he also sent a message across uh, the nation. He wanted everyone to know that trouble was coming. You say, don't you think he was afraid he would, you know, set off a sense of panic across the the country? No, I'm going to tell you what he was thinking. And I want to set off a spirit of prayer across this country. I want everybody to know so that everybody's praying. And they, they called a national day of prayer with fasting. And people came from all over to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. And they were praying. And Jehoshaphat stepped up in front of them and he led them in a prayer. And I, we're going to read that prayer together because it's recorded in the Bible. Beginning with verse number 6. Look at this. 
he, speaking of Joseph, had prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. Did you catch it? Did you catch what he said there? He starts off his prayer by saying, God, got ourselves in a nasty situation right here. And, uh, but here's what we know. You're still in control. You're still on the throne. You haven't relinquished control of this vast army. You're in control. You don't just rule over Judah. You rule over them. You're still in control, no matter what the situation looks like. He said, you are powerful and mighty. How powerful? He said, no one can stand against you. Yep, they're pretty intimidating, but not up against you. They're formidable, but they don't stand a chance against you. God, you're so much bigger than the trouble that's coming. You're capable. He continues to pray. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying, we've been here before, God. This is not the first time we've faced trouble. And every time we ever faced trouble, you showed up. And you took care of it. As a matter of fact, we have faced bigger, nastier enemies than the one we face now. And they were no match for you. Verse 9, they said, whenever. That's a key word. He did not say if ever. Do you see that? But he said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand, key phrase, in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you might give us a listen. Did I jump translations there on you? Do you see how that reads? He said, you told us when calamity comes, we could come into your presence and talk to you, and you would hear us when we pray. He goes on to say, not only will you hear us, you will rescue us. And now we see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. In other words, you know we've never done them any wrong. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land which you gave us as an inheritance. You see what the issue is. Oh, man, big prayer here. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? God, we need you to do something. He said, we are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. You say, that sounds like a lack of faith. Man, I tell you what that was. That was realism. He knew good and well. If we try to go toe-to-toe with these guys, they will beat us. We can't win this battle on our own, God. He said, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. In other words, we're not just powerless. We're clueless here, God. But we are looking to you for help. I'm telling you what. Then he said, amen. He closed out the prayer. Now, what do we do, guys, when, when, when uh, the prayer meeting closes? We shake a few hands. We might hug a couple of necks. And we head to the nearest restaurant as quickly as we can get there. You know what they did? They just kept standing around. Nobody left. 
You say, why do you think that was? They were anticipating something. They were expecting something. They had just talked with God. You know what they're expecting? They're thinking he's probably going to talk to us. And so they were being stilled and giving God a chance to speak to them. And there was a guy standing there. His name was Jehaziel. That may be a, 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 the, an incorrect pronunciation, but you take a shot at it. How's that, okay? And I think the guy's name was Jehaziel. It really doesn't matter. There was a guy there, and God began to speak to him. And he encouraged him. Tell him what I'm saying. Tell him what I got to say. Look what he said, verse number 15. He said, listen, that's a key word. You you might want to underscore that. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. He said again, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what I've got to say. Is that the way it reads? How's that read? This is what the Lord says. I've got a word from the Lord. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Then he begins to instruct them. That's a word of encouragement. Now he begins to guide them. He said, tomorrow, that's a specific time, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But, I love this, listen to this. You will not even need to fight. In other words, you go out and meet them. I want you to go out and meet them. I want you to go out and find them. No need to take a spear. No need to take a sword. You don't even have to carry a pocket knife. You're going to do no fighting. I'm going to do the fighting. Then why are we going? Look what he said. Take your positions, then stand still and watch me go. Watch the Lord's victory. Jehaziel said, He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Now, how do you think the people responded to that? You know what the Bible said? When Jehoshaphat heard that, he fell to the ground and began to worship the Lord. The people looked around. They began to do the same thing. I tell you, for a moment, they went completely Pentecostal. They are shouting. They are praising. It got real loud around the camp. So the next morning they get up to go do what they've been told. And I believe Jehoshaphat recognized some of them are losing faith. And so look what he said in verse number 20. Early next morning the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa just across the state line. On the way Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me. I'm sorry, there's just corny jokes just come and they come right out. Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Here's a key word, believe, he said. Believe in the Lord your God and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. So he gave him a little pep talk. And then what he did, to me, he was kind of weird. Now, maybe it wasn't weird, but it seemed kind of weird to me. He said, he looked at his army, he said, can any of you dudes sing? Anybody here, can you sing? I just see a few guys going, what? What did he say? Can anybody here sing? So some guys began to step forward and said, I, I think I'm pretty good. He said, okay, I'm creating a little all-male choir here. And from this point on, you, you got, the choir's going to go out front. And as we march, you're going to lead us in worship songs. And we're going to sing praise to God en route to the destination he has sent us. 
They said, okay. They began to sing. The Bible says when they began to sing, God began to fight. They began to sing. They began to praise God. God began to fight. You know how God fought? You know how God fought this army? Right here. Now, some of you are going to think a lot less of God after this story and go, what kind of a God have I committed to? Listen, if you've ever been up against an enemy that you couldn't defeat, if you've ever been in a battle you can't win, you'll appreciate this kind of God. God convinced all these men in this vast army that they should kill each other. Say, what? He put it in their head that you ought to kill the guy on your left. If you kill the guy on your left, you ought to kill the guy on your right. You ought to take out three or four of those out in front of him. And all of a sudden, they start fighting each other. It's a bloodbath. And by the time it was over with, every man in this vast army lay dead in the desert. Well, in the meantime, here comes Jehoshaphat and the choir boys. They come to an overlook. I can see Joseph. I go, kill it. I want to look over here and see what's going on. Goes over, looks over to anticipate. He's not anticipating what he's about to see. He looks out and guess what? There's no army there. Just corpses. You've seen Braveheart. You've seen the Vikings. And, you, know, you, you, you know what that scene must have. Just bodies stacked on top of bodies. Blood everywhere. Ravens coming in. Starting to come in. Buzzards coming in. What had happened? Trouble was gone. Problem resolved. This is not an issue anymore. So Jehoshaphat said, I tell you what, guys, if you don't mind, let's, let's ease off down there. They go down, man, these guys have brought in incredible weaponry and armor. But they didn't just bring in a, a, and food. They brought everything that was evaded because they're planning on moving in. They're planning on taking over this land. They're going to occupy it. And so Joseph said, hey, here's a new rule. If you can carry it, it's yours. So they start gathering up stuff. I, I believe they were getting wagons. and The Bible said there was so much there. It took these men three days just to gather up the spoils of war. On the fourth day, what happened? Look with me, verse number 26. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing. Now, do you think four or five days ago they ever thought they'd be back in the Valley of Blessing? Which God is named that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat, leading them depressed, scared, and anxious. No, was that word? Overjoyed. The fear is gone. They're overjoyed. For the Lord had given them, what gift did he give them? Victory. Over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets. And they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. Went to church, went straight to church. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, key word, for his God had given him, what's this next gift? Rest on every side. You ready? You ready for the bad news? They might as well go. All right, everybody, together. You ready for the bad news? 
because I'm going to share it with you whether you're ready or not. Here's the bad news. Trouble is coming. Now hold your applause. Hold your applause. Right down. Kind of don't get too carried away. Don't go Pentecostal on me like we're talking about here. Just control yourselves. Because I know what you just thought. Ronnie, you are such a pessimist. I've noticed that about you. You are such a pessimist. You know what I am? I'm a realist. Hang on. I started to deviate and run a rabbit there. Did you see how I pulled myself back on trail? Huh? One day messenger showed up. I'm going back to my notes. One day messenger showed up because I was about to lay it on somebody. Okay, you got it? Pull the reins back. One, <laughs> may get to them yet. That'll be all right. One day messenger showed up and shared bad news with Jehoshaphat. Trouble is coming, they warned. I doubt that was an easy task, but it was a necessary task. Jehoshaphat needed to know. As bad as I hate it, I've been entrusted with a similar task today. I come bearing bad news. Trouble is coming. You ask Ronnie, how can you be sure? Unfortunately, trouble's just a way of life. Trouble visits bad people. Trouble will also visit good people. In Jehoshaphat's prayer, he didn't say, if calamity ever strikes, did he? He said, whenever calamity strikes. Jehoshaphat knew that a certain amount of trouble is inevitable. According to Jehoshaphat, no one could be sure what form trouble would take. For the Judeans, trouble could show up as a war or a plague or a famine. However, in his opinion, everyone could be sure of this. Trouble will eventually show I know what you're thinking. Ronnie, you're talking about Judeans. You're reading from the Old Testament. Do you think that trouble is just a way of life for us too? How many of you have television? How many of you have television? Only 16. What about that? Y'all read all the time? Is that what y'all do? Huh? How many of you got television? How many of you got any Christian networks on your television? How many of you got Christian networks on your television? We don't. But when we go on vacation, you know what I like to do? When Lynn's not, when, when she's asleep, or I, you know what I like to do? Because she won't let me. If she's up, I can't do this. I like to watch preachers on television. You say they bless you, they infuriate me. I just like getting mad. I don't know what it is about it. By the time Lynn does get it, I'm ready to fight. My God, what a mess we're in. I can't believe what they're saying on TV. I can't believe what they're preaching. Because let me tell you what, if you listen to them, this is what they've told you. Listen, go listen to them today. This is what they'll tell you. If you have faith and you live right, God is going to lavish you with wealth. Go listen to them. You'll have, you'll, have more, you'll have more things, more money than you could ever dream. And you'll enjoy perfect health. You 30 pounds overweight, if you had faith, it'd just drop off. 
don't. If you had faith and you lived right, this is what they'll tell you. God will give you a trouble-free life. You know what people think? I like that's good news, Ronnie. And I sure don't like their good news. A whole lot better than I like your bad news. Well, I know. Who wouldn't? Can I ask you this question? What's the truth? What's the truth here? So where would you find it? You know who I'd trust? I'd trust Jesus. Wouldn't you? Well, he said something about this in John chapter 16, verse 33. You know what he said? I quote, it's in big old red letters in your Bible. In this world, you will have trouble. Boom. Truth. Truth. I wish somebody had told me that when I was a young Christian because I remember the first time a real wave of trouble came on me after I was saved. You know what I thought? God's punishing me for something. He's beating the fire out of me. I would beg him, show me what I've done wrong and I'll make it right. You know why? Because it had been put into my mind that if you have any trouble in life, you've done something wrong and God has taken you to the woodshed. I wish somebody told me. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You know what? It may not be good news, but it is the truth, and I'm being honest with you. Trouble is coming. One day, trouble is going to show up at your door. It may show up as an enemy you can't defeat, and you'll find yourself mired in a battle you can't possibly win. You may suffer losses so great you feel there's no way to recover. Problems that can't be solved and needs that can't be met may pop up like storm clouds casting an ominous shadow over your entire life. I can't predict the form trouble would take or the day and hour trouble show up, but I'm sure of this. It's coming. That's the bad news. Are you ready for some good news? Huh? Come on now, help me. Are you ready for some good news? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. And uh, this is probably the sermon that I want to go on our website and the podcast. But I, I've got to say something about that first group. And they're not going to like it. I'm talking about them. But I'm going to say it. They never, they never followed me from this point on. They never heard another word I said. They stopped right there. And you know what? They left here going, my God, what's going to happen to us today? I'm serious. They walked out of here deeply depressed, scared, because they stopped right here. Will you promise me something? Will you stay with me? Because some of you right now are thinking, what's going to happen to us? I know what it is. It's my dog. I'm losing my dog. You know, I know what it is. There's a, been a knock in the car, been a knock in the motor. The whole motor shot. Oh, I know what it is. I'm losing my job. Listen, I know. You're, uh, what. I gave you some bad news. Can I give you some good news? You ready? God is with us. God is with us. Please. 
get a hold of that. Please take that one with you when you leave here. God is with us. I don't envy the men who brought the bad news. I don't. Bad news is never applauded. I don't remember having to call you down, did I? Huh? Huh? Bad news won't get you a book deal. And there's some dudes on TV that got that figured out. Bad news is probably not going to build you a big congregation. Bad news is not going to get you speaking engagements. I do, however, envy Jehaziel. He got to share the good news. And what was that good news? God was with them. God was with Jehoshaphat and the Judeans. Unfortunately, trouble was coming, but fortunately, when trouble showed up, God was already going to be there. Jehaziel proclaimed, I've got good news. God is with us. I've got good news. God is more powerful than our enemies. I've got good news. God is going to fight this battle for us. I've got good news. God is going to win. And you know how the people responded? They went nuts praising God. All right, that's your cue. That's what you're supposed to do right now. huh? I'm being faithful. I'm bringing the bad news and good news. Man, I ought to jack you up. I got bad news, trouble's coming. I got some really good news. God is with us. God himself with his infinite wisdom, power, and resources with us. I don't know the day or the hour that trouble is going to visit. I do, however, know God will be right there with us. God is with us, and he's bigger than any trouble that we will ever face. He is bigger than any enemy, battle, problem, or a need that may arise. Yes, Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. But you know what he said next? Does anybody know what he said next? He said, in this world you're going to have trouble, but he didn't stop there. What did he say next? But be a good cheer, I've overcome the world. That's what he said. And it's where you're going to have trouble, but you know what? Don't sweat it. I'll be with you. And I got this. That's what he said. Bad news, trouble is coming, good news. We never face trouble alone because God is always with us. Now, in light of the bad news and the good news, is there anything we need to do? I think so. I think we need to pay careful attention to what the Judeans did, and we need to do exactly what they did. You say, what was it? I'll give you five words. You ready? Remember? Talk. Listen. Trust. Obey. You say, whoo! Sounds like an awful lot, preacher. It's really not. It's really simple. When trouble shows up, here's the first thing you and I have to do. We have to remember that God is with us. Why do you think Jehaziel stood before them and said, God is with us now, guys, come on. God is with us. He said, you know why? Because it is a human reaction in the face of trouble to forget that God we get so locked in on the problem or problems, their complexity, their number, their size, that, that we have tunnel vision and all we see is the problem and we do not see our mighty God right with us. Don't see him. And when you and I face trouble and we do not remember that God is with us, let me tell you what it produces. It produces fear. 
And that fear, you know, from fear we begin to worry and we fret and we can't sleep and we pace the floor. You know why? Because you're under the assumption that you've got to handle this problem or these problems. You've got to find the solution. You know, you're the fixer. No, you are not. God is with you and that's what he's there for. So you remember and then what do you do? You talk to God. That's the first thing Jehoshaphat did. He said, oh, okay, trouble's coming. God, we need to talk. And you ask him for guidance. You ask him for his help. You ask him for his involvement. You may want to recruit some other people just like Jehoshaphat did. You may want to really make prayer a big deal in your life when trouble comes. In other words, you don't pray on the fly. You know, what do you do? You block off time and seasons in your week, in your life that are devoted strictly to some very serious prayer. You talk to him. The third thing you do is you listen to him. You, you just assume that if you've spoken with him, he's going to speak with you, and you give him a chance to talk to you, just like they did. Set aside some time in solitude. Cut off the television. Man, I'll be honest with you, I was in my truck uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. I had a two-hour drive one way, back. I'd already made a, a playlist called Road Songs. I've got a new truck, and one of the things I had on that truck was the best sound system Toyota makes because I was going to rock it out on my trip. Right, line. I'm going, you know, I'm, wherever I, when I get to my, de- I'll be as deaf as a stone because we are going to rock. Three songs in. God said, I got some stuff I'd like to say to you. Click. Dead silence. All the way up there, all the way back. We need to anticipate that God would like to have a word with us. We need to create that time and give him that opportunity. Take out the Bible and say, here I am, talk to me. Talk to me. I need to hear from you. I need guidance. I need encouragement. And here's what happened. When these people listened, God, first of all, gave them great encouragement. Listen, when the trouble was still out there and the trouble was still coming, their, their whole disposition changed and they went from being terrified to, to praising God. And and the words that God will speak to you will encourage you to the point that they will carry you all the way through the trouble. That's what that you can't miss that. So you remember and you talk and you listen and then you trust. And I wish I'd used the word believe. That's the word they use. And this is what this is what God this is what Joseph said to him. You need to believe what God just told you. Did God tell you He's going to handle this? Well, then He is. You and I have to believe his promises. We have to believe his words of assurance. And I'll tell you, that's what empowers his words. It's not just hearing them. It's believing what you heard that leads to the strength and the encouragement. And the fifth thing is to obey. Somewhere when he's talking to you, he's probably going to give you some leadership. He's going to say, do this. You know what you do? Just do it. Whatever it is, do it. I've got to be honest with you. That's simple. And here's the cool thing. When we do the simple stuff, God does the big stuff. He takes care of the trouble. He takes the trouble that came, we'll go. 
and, and, and God's time and in God's way, it'll go. And in the wake of that trouble, something else is coming. And those la- I read those last four verses because there were four things that followed on the heels of trouble. One was victory. One was blessing. One was, the third was peace. And the last was rest. When trouble comes, we do the simple things. God does the big things. He takes care of the trouble. And in its place, he gives us victory. He sends us blessing. He gives us peace. And he gives us rest. Is that good news? I think that's good news. Let's pray together. Father, I don't want people to leave here in a state of panic. I don't want them to leave here depressed. I don't want them to leave here scared. I want them to leave here confident. I want them to leave here equipped. Some, some people need to leave here very encouraged because trouble came a long time ago. And they need to understand that you've got it. Some people need to be equipped because trouble, well, trouble's going to show up at all of our doorsteps eventually. Well, we know that. And we know this, that when it does, you'll be right there. You're bigger than any trouble that shows up. You're faithful. You're going to help us. You are going to take care of this. And Lord, we know what to do. We're going to do the simple things. And we're going to take a front row seat and watch you do the big stuff. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, we all thank you. Amen. Thanks for coming. You're dismissed. Have a great, great afternoon. <laughs>